Today, I'm being interviewed by Vinod Jain. Vinod was a guest on the podcast back in 2018. And in the past year, this year being 2019, Vinod was actually a client. So during our time working together, Vinod asked if he could interview me to practice and have the experience of interviewing. And I said, absolutely. So what we have here today is that conversation that we had. We cover everything from where John was born and raised to how he got into coaching, where he started his career. And we also go fairly deep into what coaching is, what I love about it, how it works, how it doesn't work. Here's that conversation with Vinod Jain. For those who may not know, John is a certified professional coach who runs a business called Co-Creating Owner Success. Besides offering one-on-one coaching, he also does monthly podcasts and blogging on different topics. I personally listen to many of these podcasts, and I've been enormously inspired by those conversations in which he engages his guests on topics related to personal transformation. Today, I'm going to turn the tables on him and uh, engage him in a conversation, giving us a chance to get to know him better. Before I proceed, from a full transparency perspective, let me acknowledge that uh, I am taking coaching from John, for which I'm very grateful. John, let me begin by saying thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to get to know you in this conversation. You're welcome. So let me begin by asking you, tell me, how is a typical day for you as a coach? Yeah, so high level is uh, wake up fairly early. Fairly early to me is 5 or 5.30, have a cup of coffee, uh, sit and maybe do some personal reflections, some reading. Um, I got on this uh, meditation kick about almost a year ago, actually the same conference that you and I were at, but didn't get a chance to meet at personally. Um, so anyway, I might do 10 minutes of meditation or so. And then my day typically starts maybe with calls as early as seven, eight o'clock. Um, and I split my time right now between a, um, a contract role with Capital One. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a money coach at their Portland, Oregon cafe. And so I split my time between doing that where I get the chance to do life coaching with the general public and my own business, which is um, primarily focused on one-on-one coaching. So I might have on a given day a number of different conversations with people, either potential clients or current clients, and typically wrap things up around five or so, and then dinner with family, and then might come back and do a you know, some email or administrative stuff for an hour or so after dinner. Although I'm trying to curtail that. I see. John, that sounds good. Um, And I'm going to come back to this topic of uh, your coaching uh, role and uh, your coaching work. But uh, let me ask you a little bit about uh, your life in general. Where did you grow up? Uh, Which part of the country? And uh, tell me a little bit about your uh, background. Okay, well... I was born and raised in Southern California, mm-hmm. in Orange County. And then after college, I went to college locally, got a job at a big bank in downtown Los Angeles, 
became a certified public accountant, moved to a public accounting firm. So I did all that for about a total of about five years and ultimately wasn't happy and satisfied doing that. And that led me to uh, leave my job and go traveling. So I spent a few weeks in Minnesota and then I ended up in Europe, oh. um, spent about six months at a Christian study center there. Mm-hmm. Um, came back to the United States for a period of time and then ended up um, going back to help this organization with their financial bookkeeping and did that for a while. And then one thing led to another, I ended up in Massachusetts, hmm. changed, ended up leaving that organization, changing careers and going into software development. I see. And lived there for six or seven years, got married there, and then decided we wanted to be closer to family and friends and moved from Massachusetts to Portland, Oregon, where I live now. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, so I, I got a good good view, good feel for your career. Um, when you were growing up, any, any special influences uh, uh, which kind of shaped your thinking now? Um, like for me, um, when I talked to you, I had shared that uh, I had a chance to spend a lot of time with Jane Monks and so on. But I was just curious, uh, what are their influences in your life which shaped uh, the person you are today? Yeah, so I grew up in a very um, Christian family. I went to mm-hmm. a Christian university. Mm-hmm. And that has shaped my life in some interesting ways. My Maybe not the typical path uh, mm-hmm. In the sense that that was one of the things that I, when I left my job after five years or left working for five years, it was kind of a sense of a quest of like, is this true? Does this make sense to me? Does this, it had just never completely mm, clicked with me, I guess, in a way that God was real and the things that I've been taught completely made sense to me. And I so see. that that launched me to Europe, to where I met my wife to mm-hmm. um, Massachusetts. And I, I guess if there's any theme there, it's just it's just been kind of a continual path of personal discovery, uh, maybe personal improvement, but really like, yeah, really getting clear, like what's true and who am I and what what is it that I really believe about the world and myself versus what everyone else tells me it is or should be. So there was a strong uh, urge in your mind through college. And uh, I guess around the time you went to Europe uh, where you had this, was it a spiritual yearning or was it a sort of a personal desire? I think it was more of a, well, that's kind of funny. This is, that's actually a great question. Cause actually, so you know what it really was? It was personal ownership which is kind of one of my deals. And mm-hmm. it was getting really, really clear, like, do I own these beliefs or don't I? Is this true for me or is it not? And I guess in my travels and, and going there, I th- I got rid of a lot of stuff that I came to believe was not true. Mm. And I would say I'm still kind of searching. I'm still kind of like, yeah, there's... I think that there's something out there, <laughs> um, but what it is and how it all works, I, I that's still very much a work in process. But I, for whatever reason, I just 
I have a hard time believing that this world is just a big accident and was, you know, just a random explosion in outer space. Like there's, to me, there's just too much complexity and too, yeah, there's, yeah, there's so something you, else going you, on. <laughs> I see. So you, you, you're, you're basically saying you felt this kind of pull inside you to sort of find answers to key question in terms of what is my purpose? What is my role? And, um, yeah, you know. well, more of like, what do I believe? Like, is this, is this, in other words, I've kind of held to this and I've kind of kept trying to do this for the first 27 or 28 years of my life. I see. You know, am I going to carry it around for the next 28 or do I get rid of this or what do I do with this? Yeah. So it was, it was, and it was, I wasn't happy. Like I wasn't real satisfied in my work. And I was like, there's got to be something else. And a good friend of mine was like, you need to get out of the United States. You need to travel. You need to see the world. And that was a great opportunity to do it. I guess there is something about travel, which kind of exposes one's brain to the larger creation and uh, larger stories or like bigger stories than we are used to seeing or hearing, right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's almost two things. It's like it, it helps you to see that there's a lot of different things out there. And then it also helps to remind you that we're all kind of the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see. So just uh, staying on the same thread uh, um, in your career, um, you know, you, you were, you just mentioned you are a certified, certified public accountant and you're doing this work with uh, uh, after that with uh, the software development. Uh, at what point uh, did you feel drawn to, Sort of exploring the coaching uh, as a as a as a potential field. Was there a sort of a anecdote or some story where one day you said, "You know what? Let me look into what this is." <laughs> well, it, I think the genesis was oh maybe ten years ago, where mm -hmm. I hit another point in my career where I was not totally satisfied. I was it was kind of funny. I was talking to a therapist and. Mm -hmm. And I had, I remember asking him, you know, is there a, do you know of a therapist for your career? Because, <laughs> uh -huh. you know, this is really interesting and, you know, again, the theme of self-discovery. This is really interesting from a personal perspective, but I feel like my career needs a therapist too. And he said, oh yeah, there's this lady that does career counts, career coaching or career counts. I don't remember what he called it, but mm. he, I met with her and mm. it turned out that she had trained through um, CTI, the place I ended up doing my coaching training at. And I worked with her for, I don't know, maybe nine months. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so th that was just, that, again, that was a process of, I thought I was going to, through that, like start my own business uh, and that it would be around project management. And that just didn't seem that, yeah, it just didn't seem to be meant to be at the time. And so I kind of re-taking a lot of the things I learned in coaching, I kind of doubled down on the roles, the different roles that I had at the company that I was at. And then it was about three years ago, three and a half years ago or so, maybe four, that I started thinking, you know, there's got to be something. What's the next thing? What's, what's, um, what's after this? And I, I, I had found myself, I had, transitioned to several different roles and found myself in a role and an environment that I realized wasn't good for me. 
I was like, okay, something needs to change. Either the environment needs to change or I need to change and ended up changing teams and had a new manager that was very receptive to lots of different things. And Mm -hmm. I mentioned that coaching was one of them to her. And so, yeah. So one thing led to another and I ended up taking one of the CTI classes and really liking it. And then I took off, ended up taking all five of them. And then I said, you know what? gone this far i think i might like to do this as a next career of sorts i got the certification took on clients and yeah the rest is history was this a sort of a emotional pull you felt like or you felt like you know what i could be good at it it was kind of both i mean it was it was a sense of like oh i could be good at this and it was a sense of this is really satisfying. This is really real. Like, so it's really, by the way, thanks for doing this. Cause as I'm talking, I'm like seeing all these themes that I hadn't really seen before. So throughout my career and my life is this theme of meaning. Like I want to do something that's meaningful. And what I was finding in these coaching conversations I was having with people is that we were talking about really meaningful stuff. Either was me being coached by other people and finding greater meaning and clarity in my own life, or it was doing it with other people and realizing, oh, <laughs> I, I like to say that, you know, I help in unnecessary suffering. And I think a lot of a lot of the things that we struggle with are a lot of times unnecessary in terms of like the things that we put ourselves through that with the help of another person, we could untangle. What do you, like in your education, um, I my assumption is that uh, you are bringing in your coaching work a lot of other education or experiences um, from other sources uh, which help you see uh, this pursuit for meaning. Uh, does anything pops into your head in terms of uh, um, those learnings or uh, perspectives which you sort of uh, relate to? Yeah, if anything, they I think they kind of have pep- propelled me forward. So, okay. like, I used to be really into personal productivity, you know, getting things done and that kind of stuff. And I I kind of found that, that a lot of that stuff had kind of a, you know, after you've done the 10 tips to overcome procrastination, there's something much deeper going on. <laughs> So, you know, whether it be my study of personal productivity, uh, my own experiences with therapy, reading on any number of different topics, psychology, personal improvement, productivity. um, I feel like each of those things has kind of fed this Mm -hmm. in some way. And yet, even though I've been doing it for a while, I still feel like in many ways I'm just getting started. Like I'm constantly discovering Mm. new resources, new topics, new things, whether, you know, through the coaching community I'm in, the ACS with Steve Chandler, like there's 50 different coaches in that program with tons of different experiences in so many different areas. Like they're continuing to expand my awareness and what I know and new skills. Were you always a voracious reader? Uh, Yeah. Was that... uh was that uh, the reading uh, sort of capacity 
kind of fed your desire to learn more and extract the meaning of from all of that exposure you had as a reader? I don't know if it was intentional. I Uh mean, I was, so my family was kind of unique in that we had a TV, but we didn't really watch it. Um, Like watching one program, (laughs) I remember for some reason watching Little House on the Prairie Mm. once a week was like, if we were allowed to do it, was a big deal. Um, We might watch a football game or two on a Sunday or Saturday, maybe Mm. like the World Series. But like in terms of our family was just total readers. So Mm. yeah, reading has always been a fairly large part of my life. Like it's a, it's one of the first places for like relaxation, you know, it's part of my kind of morning routine. I read before I go to sleep. Like it's, yeah, I'm always reading something. Yeah. And, uh, was there any influence from your uh, parents by the way, uh, uh, in terms of the way they taught you the way they brought certain values of their own? Or, or their own experiences in the U.S. or and anything like that. Not that I. I mean, setting aside like the Christian influence of church and reading the Bible and that kind of stuff. Um, not, not in particular. I mean, my dad was a college professor, so he okay. was very much a reader. My mom was a reader. Um, everyone in my family is a reader. So, yeah, so that's good. Yeah, there was just kind of a culture of reading, I guess. <laughs> well, I sense that that's a, you know, a lot of us take that for granted. But yeah, that, uh, I hadn't even really thought about it. Right. But when we're talking to other people uh, and we're trying to understand where they're coming from and what work they're doing or uh, what may be going on in their head and, you know, you try to support them, I guess uh, reading gives you that experiential base uh, to sort of relate to. So I was going to uh, ask you the other piece of uh, your work. You do a lot of podcasting. Um, uh, Tell me a little bit more about that. Were you always interested in having deep conversations with people or um, how, how did you end up using podcasting and this conversation as part of your coaching work. I love how you're weaving all these things together, maybe without even realizing it. So, so the podcasting thing, I was like a very early adopter. I think a pod, I had an iPod way mm. back in the day and I got on the podcast listening to that. There was this author named Anne Lamont and she has some kind of creation. I think she's, Anyway, for some reason, I was looking for interviews with her online, and I came across this 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 notion of a podcast. And I started to listen to some podcasts on Christianity and other things. And I always kind of thought, you know, one of these days, I'd like to like have my own podcast and just talk with a co-host, and this would be fun. And so, coming right back to Christianity in two thousand. 10 or so, uh, someone gave me a book that made me really angry and frustrated in ways that were really, really familiar. And so a friend that I had met in Switzerland at this Christian study center, he had been a Christian growing up, then he had been an agnostic, and then he had become a Christian again. Hmm. 
I said to him, I said, hey, would you read this book with me? Uh, there's something that just doesn't work that seems wrong, and but I can't figure out what it is. Would you read this book with me? And I mm-hmm. think we should record our conversations and maybe these conversations would serve other people. And maybe someday I would figure out how to make this a podcast. I have no idea how to do that. So it was great because I had, well, it wasn't great, I guess. So I take that back. I had, <laughs> I had a family member, an uncle that had passed mm-hmm. away and we mm-hmm. used to have the most amazing phone conversations. He was just I, like my favorite person to just talk to on the phone. And mm-hmm. we had always joked that we would have a podcast but I had never gotten around to figure out how to record a conversation and he passed away. And so we never recorded any of those conversations. And so that was kind of a regret. And I thought, well, I want to figure it out anyway. So the long and short is we recorded conversations about this book and other things related to Christianity for about a year. I see. And then he, I was at a conference and Mm -hmm. the speaker, Jonathan Fields, um, Mm -hmm. His challenge to the audience was that the thing that scares you the most is probably the thing that you're meant to do. And Hmm. so I thought to myself, well, that's a really interesting question. What am I most scared of? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, well, I guess I would be really scared about talking about Christianity, especially in today's culture. And Hmm. I thought, and doubly scary would be to like record something that anybody in the world could listen to, including my family and publish it. Like that would be really, really scary. (laughs) Right. And I guess part of your apprehension, I'm just curious, were you also apprehensive about that? Hey, I might say things which people around may not say, uh, you know, may not agree with. Oh, yeah. Everything. Yeah, I had all kinds of fears from, well, the person that gave me the book would uh-huh. listen to it. Hmm. My family would listen to it. People that had certain assumptions about what I did and didn't believe mm-hmm. would, that had never really asked or maybe didn't want to know, <laughs> mm-hmm. they would have, they were going to have a front row seat. And so, and then just in general, you know, people could have listened to it and said, wow, this guy's a total idiot. And so the fascinating path that this took was, uh, then I started talking to my buddy, Greg, who had done, we'd done all the recordings and he was like, yeah, we really need to start publishing these things. And so after this challenge from Jonathan Fields and thinking about it, I was like, okay, now I've got to figure out how to turn these raw recordings Hmm. into a program. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I got this free program called Audacity and I started Mm -hmm. playing with it and I started watching videos on YouTube and I started, I think I bought a training course and I just started like, how do I stitch this? Because I did it all kinds of different crazy ways. Um, So Audacity is a, I assume like some kind of a software application? Yeah, it's it's an audio editing program. Okay. But but we had done all kinds of crazy things like where I had done a recording at my house. My friend was in Canada, so we we're separated by thousands of miles. Mm-hmm. And anyway, we had I had created two or three different ways to create these recordings, and then I had to figure out how to put them all together so they sounded like a conversation. Uh-huh. And so from that, our podcast called Untangling Christianity was born, and we did... I did about 150 of those. We we did 100. We did an episode a week for 100 weeks without missing. And, and what was your audience like? Uh, uh, and uh, are they still available? Or uh, oh yeah, uh, they're 
they're out there in the wild. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're still there. And it was such a great, what it helped me to do was really find my voice because That's for, right. like just basically publicly just now initially when we started publishing this, like, is anyone going to listen to this? I don't know. I think in total, I think at its peak, it had nice. probably anywhere from 200 to 400 between probably like some episodes have been downloaded over over 400, maybe 500 times. And what people giving you a fair amount of feedback? Uh, they got some, some okay. people, people were generally favorable. Um, nice. We had a few people that didn't agree with us and that was totally okay. But yeah, the huge takeaway from that was I had this inkling of doing this thing mm. and then doing it and then through it, through it, I learned because I edited so many, I mean, hours and hours and hours of yeah. audio. I got really right. good at editing audio. Right. I found my voice. I be, I think I became more articulate, more clear. And then that led to offering to produce another person's podcast. And from that, I ended up producing probably three or four other people's shows. I still produce one to this day in addition to my own. And then... Untangling Christianity kind of ran its course for me. And I thought, you know, I want to... So I turned that over to my co-host, Greg. He still runs it. But I was just like, I want to have a podcast where I talk about whatever. And I got Mm. this challenge at a blogging meetup Mm -hmm. to do 100 blog posts. And the idea was that after 100 blog posts, you would have some sense as to what your message was and what you were about and what was resonating with your audience. And I thought, this is perfect. I'll do... 100 podcasts and i bet by 100 episodes i'll be clear on like who my audience is and what i'm doing this was before i think this was during maybe my coaching training but i can't even remember now and so i started doing podcasts on whatever like project management running meetings efficiently which was kind of one of my things at the time and over time it morphed into personal development and other things and I think I'm at 70-something, almost 80 episodes. And I have horrible I have horrible cover art, but the idea was just to publish and experiment and learn. Two thoughts come to my mind when I hear that. One is that you were doing it way before you had an idea of that you're going to be a coach. You know, it was, oh, like yeah. a, it was a passion you had. Uh, and uh, sort of it was exciting and, you know, it was engaging for you. And as, as you said, in the process, you, you know, found a passion area where you were energized and, uh, and you were doing it without like a, I'm going to make money out of no, it. No, no, it was, like, <laughs> it was total hobby. It was total learning. It was, uh, the only goal was let's try to do a hundred week. Let's try to, let's try to get to a hundred and, and, you know, I don't think there were any fluff. There were no, like, bogus episodes where it's like, oh, we just did this so that we wouldn't miss. But we always seemed to have something useful to talk to. And it nine times out of ten, it was my own curiosity. It was my own, like, hey, Greg, what do you think of this? Or, hey, I found this article. I think this is crazy. Or, wow, I think this article makes some really good points. What do you think of it? But, yeah, then at a certain point, it just kind of ran out of gas for me. And right. I kind of turned it over to Greg and just said, if you want to keep this going, great. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I'm interested in other things. So, right. so he's, yeah, he still kind of keeps it going. And, um, 
Yeah, but it was an amazing learning experience. I mean, so, yeah. John, um, with this, all the podcasts you do, uh, tell me a little bit about the power to have this heart-to-heart conversations. You know, it's like a, it's like a little bit of storytelling, even though there may not be a, a story in it. Tell me what happens when people start to speak from their heart and uh, sort of blend in their past, their future, their present, and uh, share with the world what they think and what they know. Is there some some sort some sort of magic which happens, or mm. uh, do you get increasingly good at in terms of drawing the story, or you find surprises? It's well, it's a little bit of all that, I suppose. Okay. Um, uh-huh. It, what's what's most surprising and interesting to me is that like one of the really crucial skills of a coach mm-hmm. is curiosity and listening. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you like how many fun conversations I've had with people where I started with kind of a rough outline of, oh, these are the things I'm curious about, or this is what you know, this person I met at this conference, like I'm thinking of one person like Stephanie Roy McCallum was right. a year ago. And uh, actually she was at the same conference we were at and, you know, she had this whole thing around leadership right. and I had an introduction to her and I was just like, well, this is too good of an opportunity to pass up. So um, I'm really curious about this whole idea of leadership. So, Hey, would you have a conversation with me? And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, sure. And, I probably had, I don't know, 10 or 15 bullet points of like ideas for that conversation, but I had no idea where it was going to go. And yeah. And then like another really favorite one was the, the recent one with um, Carol Campbell. In fact, Carol Campbell, the episode stranger talking, Carolyn Mm -hmm. was my original coach. She's the one that I mentioned a little bit ago. And that conversation was just totally driven by my curiosity and whatever she, like I kind of knew what she was up to, but not quite. And it was just curiosity and listening and and in that process, kind of to maybe this gets at your question a little bit. There's I guess there's kind of some magic. And in fact, I'm experiencing it right now. As you ask me these different questions about different things from my past, mm. I'm seeing threads and connections mm-hmm. that I'd never seen before simply mm. because I'm talking. Right. Which right. happens in coaching. You know, people have all these epiphanies and they're like wait a minute, you didn't really do anything, John. You just asked me this question. And it's like, yeah. Does the same kind of thing happens in your coaching conversations also? Although this is not a podcasting thing, but it's a conversation which happens. And I guess people find incredible new insights or learning about themselves as they are talking. Yeah, and I'm seeing that more and more and more. In other words, I would say as I become a better coach, I'm mm-hmm. coming to see more and more that my power is mm-hmm. the space, The that's kind of an overused coachy term, but sometimes coaches will say I'm, quote, holding the space. But it really, I'm finding more and more that some of the biggest impactful conversations I have with people are not the ones where like I say something profound. It's, it's the situations where sometimes we just sit in silence 
or something pops into my head. I call that intuition. Usually it pops into my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm listening from my body. And right. all of a sudden, as we're talking or they're talking, something just pops into my head. And so I just blurt it out. And maybe it hits them a certain way. And maybe we just sit there in silence as they think. Or right. maybe they riff on something. And then they have an aha moment, uh, uh, which is maybe unexpected or unanticipated. Yeah. And I like to think that that, that aha or that epiphany happened because we consciously met and mm-hmm. that we both, well, maybe I kind of facilitated the process and, and quote, held the space for it. But then we also kind of, um, which is the basis of the, the CTM training model, that we, we co-created it together. In other words, in our conversation and in our back and forth with each other, this third thing emerged. Interesting. Sounds good. Uh, so, John, I'm going to pull you in another direction. I know the work you do is around personal transformation. Uh, and uh, so I wanted to learn a little bit more about uh, what are the typical challenges and opportunities you see with your uh, clients uh, when they engage in personal transformation. Give me a couple of examples yeah. of challenges. Well, what's, and couple of- <laughs> what's funny is most of them don't engage me from the perspective of, hey, John, I'd like to hire you to personally transform, transform me. Okay. <laughs> Another, sure. no, no, but sure. it's, no, but it's it's kind of the outcome or the byproduct of all of our work together is that there is a transformation of some point. And that's really the goal. Like the goal of coaching is not to quote, solve a problem. Mm -hmm. It's ultimately to change how the person shows up and in showing up differently, they often show up differently into their problem. And then their problem kind of solves itself. If that makes sense. So what what I'm hearing from you is uh, you're saying that people come to you because they have a, a challenge or problem. They are unable to solve it themselves uh, and uh, because they're, they're facing some resistance or uh, they, they, they don't see the path forward. And then, uh, but it's not simple because if, if, if it was simple, they would have solved it by themselves. Yeah. Right? It's a certain amount of leap of faith or some kind of a transformation in their mind, uh, mind to see things in a different way or uh, untangle the webs we create in our mind, right? Yeah, well, like, a, I mean, a, so very generic example might be uh, someone wants to be, you know, more effective. Maybe they have a team dynamic that's not working. Mm-hmm. And so they would, they might come to me and say, oh, well, you know, you've worked with teams, you were a manager, uh, you were in software, I want to solve this problem with my team, and I think you can help me solve it. Mm-hmm. Well, my work, my my typical approach here is to, is to go really deep with, like, who are they? How are they showing up? What are their beliefs? Mm-hmm. Um, what are, you know, how are they approaching the problem? Uh, what do they think about the problem? What are their values? You know, all kinds of different things like that versus, well, what are the mechanics of your last team meeting and what didn't work? Oh, well, you know, in other words, 
I'm not usually working at the level of, oh, your last team meeting didn't go well. Okay, well, here's three tips for, you know, here's three tips in a podcast on how to lead a more effective meeting. It's now I might throw that in, but really the focus of my work and my digging and my investigation is who are you as a person being at those meetings? Oh, well, you as a person is avoiding conflict. Well, that's interesting. What's that about? Well, you know, uh, you know, or it could be, you know, what would it look like to really show up as the leader of this team? Oh, I have no idea. I don't know what that, that's scary. Oh, let's talk about that. Fear. What are you afraid of? Well, people might not like me. Oh, okay. You know, in other words, so it's playing with the much softer, deeper stuff versus we call it coaching the person and not coaching the problem. Coaching the problem would be, you know, here's three tips in a podcast on how to fix your, your team. So did you have a reference point? Uh, let's say as you are engaging this client in this hypothetical problem and you are being in that moment with them, they are saying their experiences. Uh, there are some things they're doing right, some things they may not be doing right. Do you have a mental reference point or a benchmark for being effective in a group dynamic. Um, like as a consultant, I do consulting work. We always have a some sort of gold standard or a benchmark. And as we talk to our customer, we sort of, I always have in mind that, hey, there is this best practice and sort of compare the behavior of our client with that best practice. Do you, do you, yeah, use- there, there is, there is, but it's kind of a, it's very subtle. And I would say it's, it's resonance. So oh, okay. I can usually tell when I'm working with someone mm-hmm. and, and maybe you've experienced this in our work together. I can usually tell when we're really onto something. Hmm. I can tell by like the tone of voice or excitement level or energy level that, Hey, we're really onto something here that means something to you that's really lighting you up in some way, or that's having the complete opposite effect. So, yeah, this fictitious scenario where someone wants to lead their team better, that probably started around with a conversation of, I'm not really happy in my career and where things are going. Hmm. Well, what would that, you know, and it could be a question of like, well, what would it look like if you were fired up at work? Oh, I'd be working on a team that was super engaged and we were really going somewhere. Oh, well, what's what's around that? Well, I don't really feel like anyone's leading the team right now. Wasn't that your no, job? <laughs> no, I'm saying uh, at that time, is it, uh, you mentioned the resonance. You are basically looking for uh, signs or cues which uh, tell you whether something's working or not working. I'm saying, uh, are there general best practices around leadership uh, you have, you need to know to guide them to say, "Hey, a good leader." No, for example, no, I'm getting that from them. Oh, I see. I'm coming from a perspective, as part of my training as well, that they're creative, they're resourceful, and they're whole. So they're not broken. They don't need to be fixed, and they ultimately know what's best for them. So my goal is, and my work is to help them unlock whatever it is that that makes sense and is most effective for them. Have you found your unique voice or method as a coach? Uh, are you there yet where you say, you know what, 
I got this, uh, I got this approach. I got this formula. I, I, I am usually successful with this. And, uh, uh, <laughs> my my formula for <laughs> I don't well I would say my formula if there is one which I don't really think well it's a formula as much as there is one is uh-huh. is really presence like how right. can I be a hundred percent present to this person how can this mm-hmm. be a hundred percent about them and not about me how can I get back to making it a hundred percent about them and not about me when I get distracted or I get off course, which happens mm. occasionally, maybe I get triggered by something they say, or it remind their situation reminds me of my own or something like that. Then my mm. work is how do I return to them being coached? So I have my own coach um, right. right now in this ACS program. I have multiple coaches. Sometimes I'm getting coached up to three. I think the record one week was four times. So yeah, it's, being present to what's really there, listening deeply, and then being coached myself. If there's any formula, I guess that's what it would be. I see. And you know what? That that leads me to this question I, I wanted to ask you very much. Uh, you had told me that uh, serving people, uh, helping people is a key motivation or driver for you. You know, it's not about making a ton of money, but kind of the real intent is to serve people. So how do you stay focused on that goal rather than taking care of your own needs? Because personally, you know, I'm an ambitious person and a lot of time, you know, I have set outcomes I want or set some certain goals I want. And uh, I think it's, it takes a while to learn the art of really having the right intention. Yeah, this uh, is a good one. This is, okay. I struggle with this. Like, I don't, okay. there's ebbs and flows. There's moments of, oh, wow, I just can't wait. Like, oh, I just want to help this person. And there's uh-huh. other moments of like, oh, I got to pay the bills. I, this is where just Steve Chandler's teaching and wisdom and coaching in this community has been so valuable to me. He has this, um, I can't, well, he says, Steve Chandler says it, but I feel like my coach said it recently too, which is this idea of, do I need this person's money? Like, no. So in other words, say I'm meeting with someone mm-hmm. and it's like, it's, it's like, can I help them? Yeah, I think I can. I do I need, do I need the money to come from them? No. Do I need the I, money to come from somewhere eventually? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's this idea of, yeah, not being so attached to the outcome, not being so attached to the money. And I'm as human as the next person. So, yes, in some moments, uh, no, I, wow, where is the money going to come from? Don't know. I can attest to uh, this, uh, this thought you have that uh, you spend so much time in engaging me and uh, being there for me uh, in the early part of our relationship. And I said, wow, you know, this is the person I want to uh, spend more time with. And mm. uh, but uh, I, I hear the influences from Steve Chandler and so on. Um, well, and the, that's all, what's also built on that too is, and I had this conversation directly with Steve and I thought it was really important, which was mm-hmm. coaching should not be a leap of faith. And I, this is something I employed myself recently, which was like, you should be able to see the value and experience 
what you're looking for in the person that you're talking to. Yes. Yes. And, Um, and it shouldn't be a sense of like, well, I had 15 minutes with them. We had a little sample session. Uh, well, if I extrapolate that to an hour, yeah, I guess that could help me like no way. (laughs) So yeah, that was, that was part of, that was part of behind the long conversations that we had over a, you know, several times to say, well, you know, this is what it is. Like, this is the experience. And then at a certain point, it's like, well, yeah, to continue to do this, there needs to be an exchange of value. Yes, yes, yes. And, and like I told someone recently today, I have these conversations all the time. So that's like part of my business model too, which is I have multiple conversation with multiple people, multiple times, all of, all of, so it's, in other words, it, it, it continues to feed into the stream of yes, yes, I need and want money. Like I don't have any shame in saying, yes, I want money, but it doesn't have to come from this specific person. It will eventually come. And that's what I've seen is that over time it starts to come. No, I, I think you nailed it. I think, uh, and this is what I'm learning about coaching is to that coaching is about powerful conversations. And uh, the more conversation you have, which has that powerful conversation, which means which are touching somebody's heart or mind. Yeah, uh, and my heart gets touched too. I was telling the same person the same thing today. That's not a client, and I and and they were like, "Oh, it was the first conversation we had," and they were feeling like, "Oh, you know, can you invoice me?" And I was like, "No, this is a gift. Like you have actually given me a gift in the conversation that we just had." You know, the fact I, I said, you know, I learned something in every single conversation I have with someone. I learned something that actually improves the quality of my life and my coaching and everything else. So, yeah, it's it's a two. It's always a two way street. Well, it looks like that's the formula. <laughs> we figured it out. That's the formula, uh, John. Um, and uh, I think you you enjoy you know, in a real way, these conversations. Uh, the conversation is not a challenge for you. It's not work for you. And I guess it's coming from your previous hobby uh, where, you know, you you engage in conversation and enjoyed that. So it's like very kind of fun thing. It, uh, you know, yes and no. I mean, this is something I guess I learned recently with a coach too was I was finding after certain interactions that I was like really that it was draining and I was learning that over the course of a day like doing a certain number of them was really taxing and what we what we what we found Mm -hmm. in talking was was the level of attachment like I all my training was always around this idea of of the coach not being attached to an outcome or guaranteeing Mm -hmm. an outcome Mm -hmm. but what I realized was that in certain situations I was subconsciously I was still looking for something for there to be a certain outcome to decide if it was good or not. And it was in letting go of what I thought the outcome should be and letting the outcome be the clients that the freedom came. And I think showing up bigger, like differently too. Uh, so, John, we got about uh, last four or five minutes uh, of this conversation. Uh, oh, my gosh, it's over uh, already? Right. So, I'd like to, uh, do you have a final message to those who might uh, listen to this conversation 
in terms of what you offer in terms of services, uh, coaching services, where to find you, and what's the best way to get in touch with you. Sure. So the best place to find me is johnpolster.com. My podcast is there, a little bit about my message. Um, Yeah, like in terms of services, I mean, we mentioned, you know, podcast production. uh, But yeah, my main thing really is one-on-one conversations with people. And I offer them to anyone. So if... I guess anything that we've talked about today piqued your interest or if there's some type of roadblock or something that you want to get clarity around in your life and you want to, you know, try me out, do it by all means. Um, and, and I would also encourage people, like, you can really coach around just about anything. Um, okay. I've had coach, I've had coaching, I've been coached around everything from personal relationships to work settings to life satisfaction, life purpose, goals. Um, I'd be hard-pressed to find something that you couldn't coach around. So So, what you're saying is the scope of uh, topics uh, or areas where uh, you can get into a coaching conversation is uh, large. Yes. And I, and my experience too, is that like stuff in my personal life holds me back in my professional life. So maybe there's a situation with my wife or my son that's uh, unsatisfying or it's eating away at me. Oh my gosh, like taking that to coaching and clarifying what's going on and how I can show up differently and how I can be more effective in those relationships frees me up in big ways to show up differently in my business or it even, it's even like, I even see it like playing forward in like my coaching in terms of like, things that I'm willing to go deep on with my own coach, then open me up to other areas that I can then coach people in. So, yeah. So uh, the last thing, uh, John, is if you are such a good coach, why do you need other coaches to coach you? Can you coach yourself? Oh my gosh. No. I mean, well, the best coaches in the world have coaches. Um, That's my, I mean, that's kind of a cliche term, but I think like, Tony Robbins has multiple coaches. Um, oh, wow. You think of like a coach that both of us know, Rick Tamlin. Right. I mean, right. he's very public. Yeah. <laughs> as he's very public and kind of cheeky. And he says, you know, it takes a village to keep this thing going. Um, right. He talks about having his own coach. He talks about therapists, personal trainers. Like he has multiple coaches. Um, That's right. And I guess I would say to that, it's the value of a coach is that it's someone that's not you. It's that outside perspective. It's that person that's not inside of your head that can help ask those questions that you can't ask yourself. Or maybe they can ask the questions, but they can also listen to and reflect back maybe the deeper subplot or the deeper, like I had a coaching session this morning with a coach and my coach. And and so like saying a whole bunch of stuff out loud And then having them kind of sift through, you know, Mm -hmm. the theme I'm really hearing here is self-doubt or, you know, it sounds like there's kind of a lack of confidence around this particular area. What do you think's going on there? Like, oh, huh. Yeah, it hadn't. So it's, yeah, it's, it's that, it's having that voice and that reflection that's not you that I think can really add 
And, and, and I would also like to say too, like Mm -hmm. you can be fine without having a coach. Right. There's no requirement that like everyone has to have a coach or their life is going to be horrible. My experience has been mm-hmm. from going like from when I have a coach and when I don't have a coach, it's kind mm-hmm. of the difference between good and great. So it's like life can be good, right? but if it can be great, why not make <laughs> it great? Like uh-huh. why not accelerate the process of getting to where you want to go? And that's not always the goal, like speeding it up is messing, but, but it's like, why take 10 years of like fumbling and, and struggling and <laughs> tripping over your own feet when you can shorten that process by working with a guide or someone else that can help you discover the path? I mean, they, they may not show you the path. They may not like unfold the map and be like, mm-hmm. okay, well, here's how you're going to get from point A to point B. But they might be able to say, you know what? What are you trying to do here, John? are you really trying to climb Mount Everest or are you really just trying to like walk around the block? Oh, I thought I was trying to climb Mount Everest. Well, that's kind of funny because you're not even like in Nepal. Oh yeah. Good point. It's an independent and objective perspective. Yeah. With nothing at stake. Like, like Mm -hmm. my agenda for a client Mm -hmm. is their agenda. My only agenda for them is what do they really want? Oh, that's what they really want. Okay. Let's go, let's go get that. Let's go figure it out. Let's go tackle that together. Am I, and and am I going to tackle that together? Am I going with like a prescription and a roadmap? No, I'm going with the questions and the insights that I get or the thoughts or the questions that I might have that might propel them forward. Yeah, I I can relate to a lot of what you're saying and, uh, I've uh, becoming now, uh, from, you know, kind of uh, getting the experience of uh, the joy of coaching and uh, what one can do with that. And uh, my hope is that uh, through this conversation, people uh, have a chance to sort of uh, get to know you, what your approach is, and uh, sort of uh, make up their mind in terms of uh, um, how cool it would be to work with you or not. You know? so, <laughs> well, thank so, you for that gift. No, my pleasure, John. Uh, and uh, thank you for your time. Uh, I wish you all the best in your work. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates.